All right. Welcome to episode two of uh, Yoni and Daniel's still unnamed podcast. Um, we're back to discuss uh, another topic that's uh, of, of a lot of interest to a lot of football fans and a lot of Jets fans out there. And that is the uh, the trade of Sam Darnold last week to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth round pick in uh, 2020 and a second and fourth round pick in 2021. Um before we got started, we just wanted to give a little bit more of a recap uh, than we did in episode one uh, about what kind of brought us here. Um, and I'll, I'll speak, you know, for myself and I'll let Daniel kind of give his his thoughts as well. Uh, Daniel and I have basically, I mean, we've been friends since we were, you know, six years old. We live, grew up across the street from one another, have been playing, you know, whatever sport you can think of, basketball, soccer, base, baseball, football in the, you know, in our cul-de-sac and on various sports teams. And uh, we've always been massive sports fans and massive Jets fans. And uh, as we mentioned in our last episode, we had season tickets uh, to the Jets with both of our dads for three years during between 2008 and 2010, some of the best uh, seasons in Jets history, especially of our lifetimes. And over the last couple, over the last couple of months, we've just been toying with the idea of like, we have all these conversations in the background and over text anyway, about the Jets, about football, about basketball, Knicks, Nets, NBA, Yankees, like, why don't we just do it for fun and talk about it together? So that's kind of, for me at least, that's kind of how, how I, I saw us coming here. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything there. And and to be honest, when you said the six years old thing, it kind of rung a bell that it's been like 20 years, which is like kind of crazy. Wild, that's really wild. My mind. Um, yeah, but sports, the Jets were such a, you know, part of our lives, especially with our fathers. You know, the four of us had a really nice relationship and a bond over it. And uh, we talk every day, and we figure we might, uh, you know, have some fun with it and talk on uh, and record, see what we got going. Sweet. All right. So on that note, we're also uh, obviously we still don't have a name yet. So for our twelve whole listeners that we had on uh, on the last wow, podcast, wow. although I, I listened to it twice, and I imagine you listened to it, so it was more like nine. But that's still a triple the amount that we gave in the the little outro. So um, if yeah. you guys have any ideas for names of the podcast, send them through. We're, uh, we're, we're open to ideas. Absolutely. All right. And on that note, basically what we're going to talk about today is, like I said, the Sam Darnold trade. We're going to give a brief history of his time with the Jets, kind of how the, the narrative shifted year over year uh, from the fans' perspective, and then uh, go into what Daniel and I thought about the, the different um, – the, the trade package, whether or not the trade was actually the right thing to do in the first place, and then once the trade was made, whether or not we think that Joe Douglas got the right compensation for him. So There's a lot just to unpack to, here, a lot to unpack, ahead. roller coaster of emotions, and you know, a lot of different things were going on at different times. Yeah. So starting back with Sam's uh, original history, obviously we know he's, he's from California, uh, and he played out at USC. Um, Darnold really came onto the scene as a uh, as a at the end of his freshman year, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. When he played in, uh, he came to bat. He came in as a backup in the Rose Bowl, uh, and absolutely went off. He threw for five touchdowns over 400 yards, including a leading amount of game winning drive uh, at the end of the game that you know, I, I believe the final score was up in the 40 somewhere. And that's really what threw him into the national, the national spotlight. Um, and he had kind of had a, a bit more of a down year, his senior, he, he played, then he played two full seasons at quarterback was an absolute monster. His, his sophomore year in 2016 uh, with 31 touchdowns and nine picks um, 3,086 yards. And he regressed a little bit in 2017 in his senior year before coming out, throwing for 
significantly more yards, 4,143, but his, his uh, touchdowns decreased to 26 and his interceptions increased to 13. So kind of those turnover pro had some of those turnover problems in college that, that were foreshadowed, uh, what kind of how his pro career went. So what, what did you think of uh, Darnold when he was in college and coming out and kind of shaping up leading up to the draft for the Jets? Uh, well, let me first by, start off by saying I'm more of an SEC guy, so I'm not going to, uh, you know, didn't tell you that I saw every one of his games. Um, the one memory that does stick out to me, like everyone else, obviously the Rose Bowl. Um, it was a sensational back-and-forth game. He came back. I believe there was it was like a 14 or 17-point comeback. Uh, or not a comeback, I'm sorry. They scored 14 or 17 points straight in the fourth quarter. And you saw him, and you really thought, okay, this is going to be the next guy. You know, we're talking about a luck or maybe a Peyton Manning, kind of what we're seeing from Trevor Lawrence this year. A lot of the, a lot of people thought that was going to be what Darnold was going to become. And as a Jets fan going through such a, a dearth of quarterbacks for me, um, that was kind of what I was focusing on. That was my dream. And senior year, you know, I, you know, you, you gave the stats. So I'm not going to break it down any further, but he kind of fell off in the, you know, the expectations. He didn't really rise. Ever, I thought, I mean, we personally thought I was going to, he was going to step up you know, grab the Heisman Trophy and run away with it and just, you know, write his storybook NFL career. But unfortunately, you know, you know, kind of skipping ahead, that's not exactly what happened. And he didn't live up to the hype that uh, that's that next year in college, unfortunately. Yeah. And but despite that, though, the like the coming out, I mean, he was widely projected to be the number one overall pick. Like throughout that whole offseason, most people were saying that, you know, he was going to go to the Browns. Um, and if not to the Browns, he was going to going to go to the Giants at number two. So when the Jets and when the Jets traded up, uh, the Jets traded up uh, Mike McCagnan, the former Jets GM, traded three second round draft picks to the Colts to move up from number six to number three in the 2018 draft. And I mean, I remember thinking that there was just no shot that we were going to get Darnold. I was locked in on trying to decide between whether or not we take Mayfield, Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. And like that's I mean. When, when Darnold fell to number three, like I personally and remember watching with a bunch of my friends in college, like we were like beyond excited. Like we could not believe that we had gotten to this point. We got what a lot of the analysts were saying was like the number one player in the draft, despite having that down senior year that we talked about. I mean, I, after all the suffering and all the shit that we went through through the first 20 years, and even though the Sanchez years were pretty, were pretty good, we still never had that marquee quarterback that really exceeded expectations. I, it finally felt like we, we had that guy. Yeah. Just to me, this was our, our blue chip, our blue chip prospect coming in. This was our shot. And, uh, you know, I remember the conversations we were having at the time. We were trying to figure out whether Josh Allen was the guy, whether Baker Mayfield was the guy. I think at some point I even wanted Josh Rosen to be the guy. And the fact that Sam Felder was, it was such a blessing. After seeing all defensive players go, I don't even know how many years in a row for, in the first round for the Jets. You could, check out, you could check me on that. But just to have that blue chip guy fall into our lap at that time was so exciting. And I thought, the, you know, the next 15 years was right there for us. Yeah, I mean, same here, man. Same here. So, and to be honest, Donald's career got off to like a pretty standard start for for a rookie. Um, in 2018, uh, he threw for he played 13 games. Uh, he had an injury that he sustained uh, in the middle of the season that caused him to miss three games. I believe it was a shoulder injury uh, during his rookie year. But he threw for uh, about 2,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, 15 picks. Uh, he and this became a theme for Donald. His, his yards per attempt at 6.9 was 26th out of 33rd and out of 33 eligible quarterbacks. And uh, his passer rating was 32nd out of 34 at 77.6. So the analytics may not have backed up that he had like kind of a, a stellar season, but I, I can, uh, and I don't know how you felt, Dan. I, I know we were at at least one of these games together um, during that season. Like there was, he, he, 
although he wasn't necessarily putting together complete games where he looked dominant, he certainly had like stretches where you saw some of these flashes and some of these throws, especially that he was making outside the pocket. I mean, I specifically remember uh, this game against Green Bay where they, it was a shootout that they lost to the Packers. I want to say he threw for 300, he threw for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. And I was like, holy shit, like, yeah, he's making some rookie mistakes. Yeah, he's doing, you know, he makes some, he's continued with some of those turnover problems that he had in college. But like, wow, like I've never seen a Jets quarterback make some of the plays and some of the throws, especially outside the pocket on the run. Uh, you know, uh, across his body, the way that Darnold was making throws. Right. And, you know, touch going back a little bit to the excitement. I remember that Monday night game, the the, the season opener against Detroit, you know, the first, oh, yeah. the first pass of his year was, I'm pretty sure the pass, the first pass of his career was a pick six. He went on to, I think well, he probably threw like two touchdowns that game, close to 200 yards, maybe. Um, and that was just real excitement. You know, Monday, you know, one of those, I, I was in law school at the time going into school on that Tuesday morning. I was like, shit, we got something. We, you know, there's a little momentum. And then we saw a couple flashes about uh, coming back here and there throughout the season. But at the end of the day, what they four and twelve? They went four and twelve. He wasn't a winning quarterback. Uh, I, he, I I can't imagine through that many games with of three or more touchdowns, maybe two or three. But uh, uh, definitely, like you said, definitely yeah. flashes. Yeah, he, I mean, he had two he had two games where he threw for over three hundred yards, and he had let's see, games with two even games with two plus touchdowns. He had one, two, three four games with two plus touchdowns. So like five games, excuse me, which is, you know, not terrible, but in the, in the modern NFL, like that was certainly not what we expected going forward for the, for the next number of years, but it was enough, enough, enough good shit in his rookie year, like enough good stuff that we saw on the field um, that we were excited, you know, going into the next year, despite going four and 12. Definitely remember the excitement moving forward. And we thought that was going to be his floor. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Yeah. So moving into 2019, kind of the offseason, the narrative, that's when uh, Todd Bowles was fired after the 2018 season. We brought in the illustrious Adam Gase to lead the team uh, for the 2019 season. And the, the narrative going in around Darnold was really that this was the year that he was going to take that, that you know, quote unquote, second year leap, which a lot of quarterbacks uh, had taken in in you know around the league, kind of the second year. And sometimes the third year is really when quarterbacks kind of come into their own and, uh, you know, really show what they're going to be in the NFL. You think of a guy, now obviously it doesn't look as good now, but like Carson Wentz had that monster second season where he was going for for uh, competing for the MVP. You have Patrick Mahomes, who was, it was his second season, he didn't play much in his first season, but like he blew up and won MVP that second year. And it was, that was kind of what, not necessarily that people were expecting Donald to all of a sudden be a top five quarterback in the NFL, but like this was the year that he was going to cement himself as a guy who was going to be a, you know, top above average quarterback in the NFL for, for years to come. Like what? Do you remember what you were what you were thinking about going into that season? Yeah, I mean, all all along the lines of what we've been talking about, there was potential. Um, he was making the, the he's making a lot of nice throws. We thought it was going to be a springboard, but it didn't really happen. Um, you know, we had that close he, the mono. I mean, we we can obviously spend I don't even know how long talking about the mono. It derailed his career more or less. Um, you know, the media turned on him at the time. The comment with the I'm seeing ghosts. Uh, he did have that really, really not, honestly. Between, I think that his best game was probably that Dallas game. Uh, that yeah. first game, he, that first game he came back with mono. That was just such an electric game. He, uh, we were, we, I, that was a much better team that that uh, we beat. Yeah, um, I mean the problem with the 2019 yeah, season is that the seat. 
I, I mean, I think the problem with the 2019 season, like you said, was that it, it was over before it started. Like when he got mono and the Jets went, they lost four games in a row. Like the season was over by the time that by the time he came back, a three games throughout. The season was over by the time he came. Oh, so he played the Buffalo game that week one. That was a heartbreaking yeah. game too. Um, but he played that week one, and, and the was Jets flying all over the field in that game. That was so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, we'll see. He hasn't played. He hasn't played in two years. But I, I mean, I, I hope, I hope he plays well. But that was one of the most dominant defensive halves of football I've seen in, uh, you know, in my life as a Jets fan. Was that Mosley first yeah, half? Yeah, I have to agree. Have to agree. Yeah. Anyway, from from a statistical perspective, over those next thirteen games, I mean, the the Jets started that season one and seven. So Donald, after winning that that Dallas game, they dropped another three straight. Um, but went on and had a encouraging half of the season, albeit against an extremely, extremely soft schedule. Uh, they yeah, did go yeah, six and two in the back half. The, the, that 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 slapstick schedule really helped Gase. I mean, because they, they they could have had just as bad as a record going into this year. I mean, uh, they could just as bad a record in twenty twenty as they had twenty nineteen if it wasn't for the Giants, Washington, uh, playing Miami, Oakland. Uh, yeah, that twenty-two to six loss in Cincinnati. That was. Oh, they beat the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. They beat the Bills backups in Week Seventeen. Like that's that six and two is the biggest bullshit six and two of all time. Of course, they got stomped on. That 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 Cincinnati game was an all-timer awful Jets game for me. Uh, I don't even remember <laughs> them getting the field the ball on the other side of the fifty. They were getting slapped around like it was nobody's business. Um, yeah, and the, were the Bengals like zero and eleven going into that game? Zero and twelve? Something ridiculous. That we that might have been their first win that year. I it hundred. I think they only won one game. That was it. Maybe two, oh, wow. but that was definitely their first. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so Donald, from a statistical perspective, versus first year, he upped his yards by about three hundred. He threw for over three thousand yards again. Not really a big accomplishment in today's NFL. Um, he upped his touchdown slightly from seventeen to nineteen. Brought his inter- interceptions down slightly from fifteen to thirteen, and maintained that same you know six point nine yards per attempt. And slightly again increased theme increases passer rating to eighty four, which is now twenty fifth out of thirty two qualified quarterbacks. So by no means was this a good season for Donald. Uh, and I think a lot of the discussion going into the offseason after that six and two finish was that it was good that he showed improvement. But I think this is kind of the end of the twenty nineteen season was, was when Jets fans started to really take stock and wonder like, is Donald really our guy? And like, was this improvement enough for us to feel? Uh, to feel like he's going to be the guy going forward. I know me personally, I was still super high on Darnold. I like, I, I thought that that the, it took him a while to get going after the after the mono, and I kind of cut him some slack for that. Uh, he had a couple of better games in there. He still only had two three hundred yard passing games in both twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, which is again a little kind of a foreshadowing of like how I how my my opinion of him grew. It's like hard in today's NFL not to throw for three hundred yards in a game like more than two times. I mean, you have guys like. Brandon Allen stepping in for the Bengals last year, throwing for three seventy five and four TDs. The Jets are in most of these games. The Jets are in positions where they're going to be throwing the ball the entire game, and they're terrible. And we see Adam Gase running running the ball up the middle and throwing these five yard out dump passes and all this bullshit. That you know, there's a reason he doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, going into twenty twenty, as that twenty nineteen offseason ended, first offseason with Joe Douglas, he kind of made some. I wouldn't say he had a, a monumental offseason. He made some a lot of patchwork signing, signed a lot of guys to one-year deals, let Robbie Anderson go in exchange for Prashad Perriman, which turned out not to work out, um, and brought in a handful of new guys on the offensive line um, to kind of uh, support a group that really had not done well in Donald's two years. They brought in, they drafted Mackay Becton in the first round, turned out to be a, a, you know, turned out to have a great 2020. 
they signed Connor McGovern, who we talked about in the last podcast from Denver, to uh, one of the few contracts Douglas gave out in the offseason that was more than one year guaranteed. And they signed George Fant, kind of an athletic uh, right tackle from the from the Seahawks uh, to replace Brandon Shell, and also signed another guy, Greg Van Roten, from the Panthers. So, I mean, at least for me, I thought that the, the, the circumstances were definitely better uh, and more set up for Donald. He, had, he was getting Chris Herndon back, who was injured all of 2019. I mean, I felt going into 2020, like, this was it. Like, I know he was still working with Gase. I know the offensive line still was not going to be, like, top 10. But, like, if there was a year for him to show improvement and to really show us that, like, he's going to be our guy for the next few years and think about, you know, picking up his rookie fifth-year option, like, 2020 was the year to do it. Like, how, how were you feeling going into 2020? Um, I starting with the draft, I guess for me, I, I tend to, you know, really buy into the, the players, the Jets draft. I love to watch ESPN and I'm just get by watching the, the replays and hearing the most ridiculous sob stories about every single player. It seems these days, they just craft up any line of crock of shit and throw it out there. No disrespect to what people are going through, but it just, it, it seems extremely repetitive. Anyway, the Beckton pick, obviously a slam dunk. People seem to be high on Mims. He's got good size, good speed, but if the Jets had kept their pick, Chase Claypool was available for them. And he had some he had some support coming out of college, and people did think he was going to be good. And if we had stayed pat, we could have taken him. Ashton Davis, again, you know, he's kind of this gadget player. In the He can return punts. He can be a cornerback. He could be a safety. Uh, Legereus Sneed was available for the Jets. They could have taken him. He plays he plays in the Kansas City backfield, and he's uh, he's been a starter for them almost since, since day one. And Jabari Zuniga was, you know, the last kind of relevant pick they made. And with all the signings this year, I don't really see exactly where Zuniga is going to fit in. So, you know, right now, I don't really, besides Beckton, I don't really, you know, know what to think about Douglas' draft class. It's kind of question marks all over the place. You know, it, again, it's, it's only been one year and a COVID year, albeit. And, of course, this year might not even be that different as far as training camp. But I think the jury is way, is, is definitely still out on, on how Douglas did as a drafter this year. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, in terms of the way that he supported supported Donald, at least he did put bring those first two picks to get a left tackle and to get a, in theory, a guy who he sees that could be a number one wide receiver in Mims, who, while he didn't have an incredible rookie year, he did show flashes in certain games, making contested catches, uh, kind of uh, playing down the field more than a lot of the Jets receivers tend to. So the, I think I think the amount, in terms of getting back to Donald, I think that the amount that he regressed in 2020 – was really, was really shocking. Like he, I mean, he, all of the things that were even remotely, seemed to be remotely good and improving about his game. He took a step back on in, in 2020, he was less accurate. He turned the, he turned the ball over more. The injury concerns uh, continued as he picked up another shoulder injury and had to miss four games. And, and the bottom line is the Jets didn't win. The Jets were two and 10 in stars that Donald had. They did not win. Yeah, the Jets were two and ten in in games that Donald started, and the two games they won against the uh, against the Rams and against the uh, I'm blanking the, right? the Browns. I mean, it wasn't even like these were like exciting games where Donald throws for three hundred yards and two touchdowns. Like he literally his season high in yards in twenty twenty was two hundred and sixty six, which he yeah, threw he in week seventeen. I mean, in today's NFL, I just don't understand how that's even remotely possible that you can have a guy start twelve games. And his the most yards he can throw to when you're losing, like you said before, they're always losing. They're always down. They're always playing from behind. They always need to throw the ball more than they should, unless they're handing the ball to Frank Gore, you know, 25 times. Um, like it's it to me that the regression was was 
I mean, it, he fell. He really fell off a cliff and was undoubtedly, I think, the worst the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this year. No doubt about it, man. Um, I, you know, I don't want to put it. I don't want to compare it to the likes of, of Nathan Peterman, but it was it wasn't that far off. It really wasn't. We weren't winning games. There was. I can remember he had he. There was a nice throw against uh, the. He, there's a nice throw against the Niners. There was a nice touchdown against the Colts. Oh, the Niners won, by the way, when they're down 31-7 to with one and a half minutes to go. That's when he decides to make that highlight throw that's all over Twitter and all over, you know, his pa- highlight packages. Yeah. Um, and then you remember, I also remember some, it's flooded with terrible games, getting blown out 40-3 to by Seattle, which, by the way, I don't understand why Pete Carroll can say he's in love with Sam Darnold and all the, the media hype that's been around that. He played like dog shit against the, against the Seahawks. Uh, just all around the board, getting blown out by Mahomes. It, I don't even want to talk about this season anymore. It was disgusting, and uh, I'm glad that the house was cleaned, burned down, demolished, blown up. It's gone, and we got a new we got a new infrastructure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I mean, and and just from a statistical perspective, to to recap, I mean, Donald's completion percentage dropped from 62 percent to 59.6 percent. Again, anything below 60 percent in the NFL is really it's very hard to do these days the way the game is catered towards the offense and towards quarterback play. Uh, his yards dropped from 3,024 to 2,208. Touchdowns went from 19 down to 9. Interceptions from 13 to 11. And again, that yards per attempt where he was already ranking close to the bottom of the league, goes from 6.9 to 6.1, putting him 32nd out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks. And his quarterback rating dropped from 84 to 73, 35th out of 35 eligible quarterbacks. Like I said... To me, there was no doubt. I, I, I think it happened for me kind of around week week six or week seven where I was like, you know what? Like, I've seen enough. Like, this is not happening as positive as I want to be about this guy. Like, I just don't see uh, a future for him with the team. Uh, and especially as all that Trevor Lawrence talk heated up. I mean, do you, did you, do you remember at what point, like, did you lose faith? And at, if you did, like, at what point do you think that you lost faith? Uh, I kind of just lost faith. In, I lost faith in, any, in everything. Um, after the first four, five, six games, uh, it made me sick to my stomach. Uh, admittedly, I did not pay attention to the games as nearly as much as I usually do. I was just watching Red Zone and whatever other important games were on. So to be quite honest, I would say around week four, week five, I just was done with this organization. And I just was hoping they would lose to get Trevor. And that's really uh, a cop-out, stupid fan thing. And I, you know, I, I wish I didn't feel like that, but that was really what the situation was. And it's not... Um, it's not like he, he kind of was at the oh, on and hey, on. Daniel, I think we lost your audio. Oh, you're back. Okay. Uh, it's not, no, you're good. He, he was Go ahead. There, he, yeah, he was kind of out there on an island. You know, they, the, the brain trust was Gase. Again, I'm not going to waste any more energy on him. Jeremy Bates, where the, who, this guy is hiking up in the mountains, you know, <laughs> doing whatever the hell, getting lost. He's not even part of society. And they bring this guy in to groom a young quarterback. I mean, that's, we don't need to talk about that. And then Gase's lackey, Dowell Gaines, who's been following around like a little lapdog ever since he left Chicago, Chicago to Miami to the Jets. Um, you know, there was nothing there. He never had a chance. He never really had a chance, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 def- I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the circumstances were not set up for him to to succeed at all. Uh, not to belabor your point, but the the, the combination of the bad coaching and offensive coordinator and the rotation of coaches and offensive coordinators, the terrible offensive line, which Douglas uh, would will probably admit that he did not do a good enough job to fix between 19 and 20. And then, I mean, he we talked it. 
Yeah. And we talked about briefly as well, like the skill position players just if you think about a guy, for example, like uh, like Josh, like I'll give you two examples: Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Like when these guys, when when Josh Allen is in need, is coming up into these pivotal years of his career, you know, this third year, this kind of the same timeline Donald's on. Like, what does Buffalo go do? Like they go out and they get Stefan Diggs, and the year before they had gotten John Brown, and they drafted Gabriel Davis, and like they got him guys to to work with. And obviously, the Stefan Diggs one worked out extremely well. And then you look at a Don't team like. Dawson Knox. <laughs> yeah, he'll grab the the occasional touchdown. Um, and then Baker Mayfield, right? Like, who also had had kind of had that same up and down that Donald had. I mean, they go out and they get him OBJ. They get him Jarvis Landry. They get him Austin Hooper. They bring in Kareem Hunt. Like, these, it's not a secret. Like, how quarterbacks need to have talented players around them to succeed. It's not that they can't succeed with the lack of talented players. There are guys that there are so the special quarterbacks like you know, the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the world who can make anybody look good. Um, but uh, most guys need need people around them to to succeed. And Donald just was never given never given that opportunity. And it's even it's even less than that. It's it's I mean obviously it's about putting weapons around them, but it's about having the people in place to recognize what the quarterbacks need. We look at Josh Allen, he's having he had some, you know, awful deep accuracy on his throws. So what do they go do? They go get a burner, they go get one of the best deep guys in the league in Stephon Diggs. Uh, with the Browns, they they recognize that Baker doesn't always make the doesn't always isn't really quick with the reads. He needs a little bit more time. He doesn't well do well with hands in their face. So what do they go do? They go out and draft a tackle. They go they go get Jedrick Wills. They they develop a run game where they're going to run everything off the play action where they're going to allow Baker to progress through his reads and give him more time to 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 scan the field and and really you know pound it with with uh, Nick Chubb. So what I'm really hoping with the Jets is that. You know, we got solid in the floor, and they're going to come in and recognize what the next quarterback, presumably Zach Wilson, needs. And it's more than, oh, let's just throw him receivers. It's got to be the right system, the right players, and the right setup. And that's really what I'm hoping to see, which is something we haven't seen in a, little, in a, in a long time. Rex was just barking in everybody's face, want to play smash mouth defense, doesn't care about developing Mark. And... And then Gase comes in and just wants to, you know, throw his junk on the table and make everybody kiss his ass. And that really got him nowhere because he's an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the, the problem the problem that I've that I've come with, and I, I think we've seen this, we can kind of start to, to pivot into the conversation around, like, what the Jets did, which, again, to recap, is trading that, tra- trading Sam Darnold to the Panthers for a second-round pick, uh, in second round pick and fourth round pick in, in next year's draft, 2022, and a sixth round pick in 21. What I, what I think the pro, the biggest problem I think around the, the conversation around Sam Donald, and for the record, I have never seen in all, you know, in all our years of watching football, I have never seen the NFL brain trust community, the, you know, the NFL media brain trust community give so much credit and give so much slack to a quarterback who produced with numbers that are at, like as awful as, as Donald's were. When most of the time, I mean, guys, even now the leash is so short. You start hearing criticism of guys like like Tua. People are saying like, "Oh, should the Dolphins draft another quarterback after he played, you know, eight and a half games?" And you have guys, the same guys on TV, saying that Donald just needs more time. He just needs more, you know, he needs more playmakers. He needs a better coach. I mean, I just think that it's it's odd the way that the narratives have lined up. And I think that Donald has been given just way way too much slack. And I think that. If Donald was as good as a lot of people think he is, a lot of people who didn't, a lot of Jets fans who didn't want to trade him, I think that he would have done better than 2,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and 11 interceptions this year. I, I don't think it, I don't think that much more needs to be said 
beyond the stats because even with a bad offensive line, bad skill position players, bad offensive coaching, there are, there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league, a lot of quarterbacks who are better than Sam Darnold, who may not be considered better than Sam Darnold, who would have put up better numbers and led the Jets to more success than I think he would this year. What, what do you, I mean, what do you think about, about that, that argument? Um, so I think with Sam, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of traits on paper that are there that people fall in love with. He, he does great with the media. Everything we read, he has great leadership skills. He's an awesome kid, down salt of the earth. He just wants to, you know, win games, be a leader for his football team. And you can't deny there are certain times that we saw flashes of talent. You know, that absurd, what was it, 70-yard touchdown run, a couple of throws I, I spoke about earlier. So there's a lot of good things there. But at the end of the day, we see a player on the field that, that struggles with decision-making. He seems that the game is, is, is moving at a, at a pace that's too fast for him to process. So I think a lot of the media and, you know, the general public, they see, they see these traits and they want to buy into something that maybe necessarily isn't there. And at times, and maybe even now, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, so what, what did you think overall? Like, were you in favor of, of them trading Sam Donald, uh, you know, as a whole? Or did you would you have preferred that they kind of uh, doubled down, traded back that second round, that number two pick, which was worth, based on the Miami trade, at least uh, two additional first round picks and more moving forward? Or did you want to see that or did you like the move that McCagney, I'm sorry, that uh, Joe Douglas made to, to move on? Um, I, I'm I'm gonna just a preface. I'm gonna catch myself talking out of two sides of my mouth because I seriously am conflicted about this, and there are a lot of variables in play that are, and it's tough to gauge how all they're all gonna play out and affect things. But at the end of the day, the way I view this is from a team building aspect. I think that the the and it's not even I think that the, it's a proven model. You really want to you know build that foundation and have the offensive line have a good defense and then bring the, the rookie QB into a positive situation. And that's exactly what a team like Washington's doing right now. They, on paper, they have an unbelievable defense. They brought in William Jackson. They're going to have Chase, Chase Young, who looked like an absolute monster. And you can see that Washington, you know, more or less kicking the, kicking the can down the road on QB and just waiting for their opportunity to pounce and go all in. And for me – Looking at what Miami got and, and what Douglas could have done with those picks, I think an argument is there to be made that stockpiling the picks and building a team and bringing in a, some sort of journeyman QB for the next three years and, and build a sick team that's ready, for even kind of, that's ready for a rookie QB to step in and immediately be contenders and take advantage of that, that small cap hit for the QB. And that's kind of a team-building model that I would have liked to have seen Joe Douglas go with? Um, am I right? Who knows? Is he right? Hopefully. Um, but that's kind of what I was hoping to see. Well, and here's my problem with that. And I understand the argument, right? Like, especially given the the, uh, the quarterback class this year and like how strong some of these guys are viewed around the leagues and how desperate a lot of teams in the NFL are for, for uh, you know, a top quarterback. I mean, here's, here's how I would play it out. Let's say the Jets did, let's say the Jets did make, the, they traded out of two, they got the bounty of first round picks and whatever else they got. I think in, in the absolute best case scenario this year, right, which would be a monumental improvement for Sam Darnold. I'm just going to give stats based con- kind of on like a 16 game schedule because that's what we're it's easier to, to relate to last year. But like, let's say Darnold throws for 4,000 yards, which would be basically double what he did last year. Let's say he throws for 25 touchdowns or so. 
And let's say he throws for 10 interceptions, which means he brought his interceptions down. He more than doubled his touchdown output from the year before. He almost doubled his yards output from the year before. I think those stats in this offense and with this supporting cast the Jets have, they have a good chance to be like a, a, you know, a team that competes for a playoff spot. I don't necessarily think they would get in if Darnold has those stats, but I think that they're competing. They go, you know, nine and eight, or they go 10 and seven, and they're, they're, they're on the out, they're on the outside edge of the playoffs. Maybe they don't, maybe he has those stats and they don't do as well. Then they're in a situation where Darnold has played significantly better, but about as much better as you could hope for from his previous season. And the team has done reasonably well. It's a, I would assume they don't make the playoffs. So they have a, they have a middling draft position. They're drafting somewhere in the mid teens. And now what do you do? You've obviously declined Arnold's fifth year option because you weren't sure about him going into this year. And now you have to, you're coming to the situation where you're faced with, he had a pretty good year. He's had three bad years and one. And by the way, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 receptions. That's basically like, that's Derek Carr. That's Kirk Cousins, something along those lines. You're now in a situation where you either have to extend Arnold, which would be a nightmare. Like it would be a nightmare. He'd have to, they'd have to give him the Ryan Tannehill four years, $120 million style kind of contract. Something, something where he's getting, you know, they're locking into him at, for a minimum two years of guaranteed money. And if you, if you don't want to, if you don't believe, you know, you see a big improvement, but you don't think you want to lock him up long-term. Now you're sitting in the middle of the draft in a, you know, I know you don't like this argument, Daniel, but like a presumably weak next year's quarterback class, uh, like without, and not in the top five. I mean, you only get the number two pick so often. I think the Jets were just in such a unique situation this offseason where like all the stars aligned for them having this opportunity to kind of reset. And I just think that the best case scenario with Darnold, kind of what I laid out there, which I think is even overly optimistic considering how he played last year. Like, I just don't see how the Jets are in a positive situation at the end of the 2021 season, even if Darnold plays well. Right. And and you make some great points. But for me, and like how you said, this, all the stars align, that's definitely true. And I definitely think that's what maybe even potentially forced uh, Joe Douglas's hand to make this move. But uh, for me it was really all about the team building and just my preference about how I would have liked to see the team build. I don't really, I wasn't, I'm not really factoring what, what the situation with Darnold in a year from now would be. I just was kind of hoping they would build the foundation and even, you know, Darnold, I just kind of want to go into some of the things that maybe might have me thinking that sticking with Donald might be the, what might've been the right move. Uh, you know, we, we got into the terrible coaching, but, you know, Sam's only 24 years old. Joe Burrow was 24 years old when he won the Heisman at LSU. Baker Mayfield turned 24 last year. Uh, I know Drew Brees dealt with injuries, but he wasn't good he was till 20, until he was 25. And Jared Goff turned 24 when, when um, McVay came in and turned his entire career around. Now, I'm not saying that Will Fuller is going uh, to be like McVay, but, you know, the change of coaching was there. Um, and then we kind of, you can go back to Gates and see there's another almost exact parallel situation to Sam Darnold, and that's Ryan Tannehill. Um, in their first three seasons, the stats are almost identical. Sam played 36 games and had a 13-25 and 25 record. He had 19 completions on 32 attempts, which is 59.3% passer completion, uh, 213 yards per game, and about uh, 1.2 touchdowns and one interception per game. Now, Tannehill played 12 more games has a much better record, won 10 more games, went 23 and 25. He had 21 completions on 34%. That's 62% passing percent. Uh, That's his average game, you're saying? 21 of 34 is yeah, like the average game. Got it, got it, got it. Per game, per game, per game. 
So we're, we're talking about 60% completion percentage uh, for Donald and a 62 for Tannehill, only two percentage points different. Uh, Tannehill threw for 234 yards a game, which is like, what, I'm, I'm, I'm got off what math. Was it 19 or 21 more yards per game? <laughs> uh, it's, but yeah, 21. <laughs> 21. Uh, 1.3 touchdowns, so, so a little bit more than Donald, and then 0.9 interceptions to Donald's one interception. So look, I'm not trying to say they're the same player, the same situation. I would say Tannehill is probably a little bit more athletic than Donald, uh, played by receiver in college. Just want to throw that in there. Uh, definitely dealt with Tannehill? more devastating injuries. No way. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he played. I, I, I'm pretty sure he played wide receiver at A&M. No way. That's that's. I never didn't know that. Sweet. Uh, look this up while I continue, so I don't want to get called out at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Tannehill, and he definitely went to a better system. He had Arthur Smith who helped him, the, 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 the power run off of uh, Derrick Henry. So the whole change of system. But just to go back to my point, getting out of that, that negativity and that grip of Gase and Dowell of Gaines, I mean, it's, it's possible that Sam was just trapped in the same situation Tannehill was. Now Sam is going to be going to a much better situation. From a weapon standpoint, I would say that the, the, you can't really say that Carolina's O-line is any better than the Jets. They got McCaffrey, enough said. They got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Uh, who else do they have? They did lose Curtis Samuel to Washington, unfortunately. But And then they have uh, room to improve in the draft. So we're going to see Sam have an opportunity to really go out and, and step into a position with Joe Brady at the helm, uh, Matt Rule leading the franchise. It's very possible that Donald just explodes next year with what he has. And that would be devastating yeah. for the Jets, irrespective of what – Number two picked up. Yeah, I mean, so I've got a couple, couple of things to say on that. I mean, here's my problem with, and the Ryan Tannehill one is a very fair, is a very fair comparison, right? Both guys who were kind of uh, stuck under Gase, both guys who like are getting a second chance. Tannehill has already gotten a second chance, has really thrived, and Darnold getting getting Wait, a second pause, chance. With Carolina. Pause, I was, I was, I was spot on about the Tannehill wide receiver A and M thing. Go on. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw <laughs> it. Um, so. And Ryan Tannehill had a great season last year, and he had a pretty good season the, the year before. But here's the he thing: same too. He, was, I think he was better two years ago than he was this year. Oh, he. he I mean, he was. He lit the world on fire. He was. He was amazing. But and, and I think can you win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback? Like I think you. I think you probably can. That being yeah. said, with the team that they have now, they have the best running back in football in Derrick Henry, who's coming off back-to-back, you know, rushing championships, including a 2,000-yard season. They have a, a very, you know, a pretty solid defense, maybe not the best pass rush, but a very good secondary and a very solid offensive line. I think that if if the ceiling for Darnold is Tannehill, which I think is, in my opinion, is too high, I don't think he'll ever be that good. But if the ceiling for Darnold is Tannehill, you are still going to have to put him in a situation, right? Like the name of the game in football, right? We, we all want to win Super Bowls. Like Super Bowl is the, is the name of the game. And I think that for Darnold, he's not going to be the guy. He As good as Tannehill is, I don't think Tannehill is a guy that you necessarily ride to the Super Bowl. He's not going to be the one to necessarily put the team on his back, take over a game, and and carry that team all the way forward. Like for them, Derrick Henry is that guy. And that works for them. Like Tannehill doesn't need to be that guy all the time. But I don't want to be on a team where we where we have to put a like a quote unquote like a, a an ideal situation in place for a quarterback duo. Like I want to be, you want to go out, and you want to find Patrick Mahomes, you want to find Russell Wilson, you want to find Aaron Rodgers. Like that's who I want on my team. I don't, I honestly, I don't want Ryan Tannehill. As great as Ryan Tannehill is, that's not who I want. If the Jets are going to win a Super Bowl, and to say, and if that's the ceiling for Darnold, 
if he reaches that ceiling, I'll be happy for him. And like you said, I'll be rooting for him too. I think he does have a chance to do really well in Carolina. I will be, I will be rooting for this. I'll be rooting for the Panthers. I'll be rooting for Donald. I want to see him succeed. Yeah, but I, I just, you know, ultimately the teams that win Super Bowls about Tom Brady, who I neglected to mention, you know, but uh, I mean the guys like the guys like that, like those are the guys who win Super Bowls. For the most part, those are the teams that win Super Bowls. You occasionally get the Ravens and Joe Flacco sneaking in there. You occasionally get, I don't know, who else in our lifetime has really has really snuck in. Eli. Um, <laughs> Eli, Eli Manning. That's like, it happens occasionally. But, but like, the Ryan Tannehill's of the world, those quarterbacks are not generally on Super Bowl teams. And if they are, they have the perfect team around them to do it. So if that's the ceiling for Donald... I I would be happy if he had reached that with the Jets, but ultimately we need to go out and find our Mahomes, our Rodgers, our Brady. Like that that's what the Jets really need. Those are the teams that win. So I I I really like the move to move on. I think in terms of uh compensation wise, I think that Douglas for a guy that threw for for a guy who had as bad a statistical season and put out some tape that was as bad as Donald in terms of like the reckless decision decision making he made on some of his interceptions and just the inability to hit guys downfield like the fact that he was able to pull out a second, fourth, and sixth round pick, which I, I don't know, Daniel, if you're familiar with those, like, you know those draft charts that they have that have the points assigned to each pick, right? Like, each each pick has a certain yeah. point value. I don't know too much about it, but I know that that's some sort of... I, I don't know shit about it either, but all I know is what I saw on Twitter is that based on their varying systems, there's, like, the Jimmy Johnson system, there's, like, a couple other point systems. I saw that what the Jets got back for Donald is rated anywhere, and this was assuming that the Panthers finish as a middle-of-the-road team, anywhere from a first-round pick in the late 20s to a high second-round pick that they got back. And to me, for Douglas to pull that out, given how bad Donald has looked and to get so many people latching on to this talent, even after, you know, 35 games of uh, you know, sample size, I mean, I thought it was an incredible return. I think it, it kind of builds that Jets reserves uh, for, for next year where they're going to have they're going to have back to back drafts with a ton of capital. I mean, I, I thought the return was excellent and, and another another really savvy move by Douglas in the in the trade market. Yeah, I definitely agree. He was faced with a almost impossible situation with Jamal Adams and was able to flip him for two firsts. Um, you know, his you know, he's kind of playing with an open hand in this situation. Everybody knew he was getting a quarterback. The Deshaun Watson situation kind of quelled the quarterback market, and we we saw San Francisco trade up. There were a lot of teams that we maybe thought would be in the Donald sweepstakes that started to fall out of it, and the fact that he was able to pull the trigger on this when he did uh, was good. But one counter to that I would possibly you know propose is the idea of maybe keeping Sam on the roster, bringing and I know that Douglas addressed this and it said that he didn't want to do this, but from an asset preservation and management standpoint. I probably would have brought Donald into into the into the season, had an open competition, and waited for a starting quarterback to go get, to go down to camp or earlier in the year, and you know really you know pull someone over the barrel and get some real value, kind of like what the Eagles did with uh, Bradford, I believe. When yeah, they got a first round pick for him. That was crazy. Right. Um, so now yeah. that, you know if if a, you know any you know you can li- name a list of all the con- any contenders if if they thought that they could bring in Donald and kind of have him steer the ship for six, 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 seven weeks while the starter was out, even like a breeze kind of situation this year with Winston and, and, and Hill, um, that value could have been there. But honestly, it, it, I can't complain what we got. But you're, you're saying you think that they could have potentially gotten more if they had saved him going into training camp and waited for an injury than the second, fourth, fifth, second, fourth, sixth combination. It's possible. It's possible. You yeah. Never know. 
I just th- I just think given the given the situation, I think that I, I do agree that there's a possibility that something like that could happen in training camp. But to bank on that, Joe Douglas is not this like he, he's not this go out on a limb kind of guy. He like when he gets what he wants, he takes it. And I think that, you know, he and I also think that going into camp with an open quarterback competition, I know this is like an overused theme that's that's thrown around. But like the, the New York media would eat this shit alive. Like whoever, whichever guy goes out there week one, especially if it's Donald, the first bad series that he has the fans will be all over him calling for Zach Wilson. It's not a healthy environment for the for the locker room to be to have, and it's not a healthy environment like from a media Douglas, perspective. Douglas touched on that, and I agree with that. Yeah, but so preservation. Yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe depending on who it was that got injured and what team it was, you could have maybe gotten a little bit more. But the marginal improvement, I think, that you may have gotten in draft compensation, it wasn't worth taking the risk that like nobody gets hurt and you get stuck with both guys. Right. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah. Um. Just, uh, you know, before any, any other thoughts on that before we kind of wrap, wrap up? Um, you know, I'm just, it's just the nerve, you know, we should be excited as Jets fans, but yeah. no, on Zach Wilson, like what are your thoughts on the number two pick and Zach Wilson, kind of the quarterback outlook moving forward? Look, right. Um, I didn't watch much BYU football. I'm not going to pretend like I did. I saw, you know, much of my knowledge about him comes from, you know, trying to watch videos on YouTube, the, the, the overused. Uh, videos and highlights that get circulated around and, you know, the echo chamber that Twitter is with the same thoughts and ideas bouncing around. But, you know, much of, and this is pretty unfair to Zach Wilson, but much of my outlook on this has to do with what I'm used to. We saw Sanchez get thrown to the wolves. We thought Darnold get, to the, get thrown to the wolves. And now I'm, you know, the third time in my semi-adult lifetime, like, I guess high school to now, where I'm seeing this for the third time. And it's unfair to Wilson. I understand that. And, I, in, you know, I want to like him, and I have no reason not to. But this franchise has done this to me. And this is kind of what I've come to expect. And I, I'd love to be an optimist, and I'd love to sip the Kool-Aid, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say I feel the same way. I was the opposite. I was the, the optimist on the Darnold thing. I thought we finally had it, and, like, now lear- learning. Oh, God, Everything else go everything everything with the Jets goes how everything with the Jets goes right so like I, I'm setting my expectations low with Wilson I'm hoping it it seems to me that in in my life we haven't had a more competent group of like since we had Tannenbaum and Rex and Sanchez together as a trio kind of a aligned a line at the same time I like the feeling of Wilson likely Wilson or Fields or whoever it ends up being but likely Wilson Sala and Douglas kind of all aligned on this same timeline with this you know the the uh, you're not mixing and matching coaches, quarterbacks, and GMs who all have competing agendas because they're at different stages of their tenure. Like, I really want to believe that this time it's going to be different. I'm just not expecting it. Like you said, the same the same way that the way that I expected with Darnold, I'm not I'm not expecting it this time for uh, I'm not expecting this time for for Wilson or whoever it ends up being. And and I mean on the on the human element side of things, we touched on it briefly. Like, Donald's just like, I mean, he seems like such a good guy. You know, like he never said the what really impressed me about him was that he never. And I imagine this was an impossible thing to do to not throw Gase under the bus at any point. Like every single, after every game, he backed him up. He said, listen, I got to be better. I got to, it's not, it's not anyone's fault but mine. Like he shouldered the load. He shouldered the blame, even when it wasn't necessarily his fault. I mean, he just, he says the right things and he does the right things. And like, it sucks that a guy like that couldn't work out because you really, you really root for a guy like Donald. And like, I will root for him. I will root for him to do well. But not too well with Carolina that we feel that we feel like we you know that we really shit the bed with that trade. I yeah I totally agree with everything. I I, I wish the best for him, 
And uh, I, I really hope the Jets have the right infrastructure to support a young rookie quarterback coming from a non-Power 5 conference. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, well, uh, that, that about wraps it up for this time. Um, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I think next time we're going to uh, – I know that this, these last two episodes have been kind of Jets-focused. That's kind of where mine and Daniel's uh, knowledge overlap is the largest. I think uh, for episodes going forward, we're going to try to mix in – um, some other sports. We'll talk a little NBA, Knicks, Nets, a uh, little baseball with the Yankees. Um, as we get more into football season, we'll, Daniel and I are both big fantasy football guys, so I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but we're definitely looking sure. forward to kind of expanding our uh, expanding our our palette here on the on the on the types of topics that we cover. Yeah, uh, big shout out to all four of you listening, and uh, hope to have you coming next time. All right. All right, good shit.